there. Thanks for tuning in. This is Katie Newman with the Tuttle Wellness Collaborative. And today I'm here with Ashley Donacy and Juliana Laurie. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I particularly wanted these two individuals to be here today because lately when I've been out in the community, we've been hearing a lot about Generation Z and the stressors that um, teenagers and children are having today versus when we were kids. Definitely. Ashley, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am one of the assistant principals at Lambert High School. Um, my job is to work with instruction and curriculum. And I have a special opportunity because I get to live in the counseling office with our seven counselors. So I see a lot of the concerns that come in for, for specifically you know, social emotional wellness, but also because I do instruction and curriculum, I am monitoring the changes to schedules and students who are um, taking extremely rigorous course loads and who at times may struggle under that rigor. Um, and so those are some things that really I, I get a privilege of doing in my everyday life at work. Um, in addition to that, I have a lovely daughter who is in middle school, so I get to live with learning a little bit more about what's coming. Um, and so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. That's that's my life. Yeah. School and, and child. <laughs> and especially since Lambert is such a high-performing school, you tend to see a lot of that coming in the counseling office. And because emotional and relational social is a part of our wellness growth model, you see a lot of those issues kind of coming to fruition with all of the um, the stressors that you're seeing with Gen Z. Very true, very true. Okay. Juliana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Juliana Lari. Um, I go to Riverwatch Middle School. I am in sixth grade. Um, I love singing, um, and I love dancing and listening to music. Um, I love all my friends, and I treat everyone equally. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your homeless pet club that you're a part of. That was pretty cool that you shared earlier. Yeah. So I'm a part of the homeless pet club that is um, that works with the Humane Society. And um, it was for Pets Need present, Pets Need Presents too. Aww. And so we That's put awesome. um, we put wrapped boxes in the middle of our school, the rotunda. And so kids can go get the um, pets some toys or some beds or some treats or whatever they would like and then set it in the boxes. Thank you so much. So Ashley, let's pop back to you. You've been doing a lot of research on Gen Z and I, we feel like they're getting a bad rap. Let's just I be agree. honest. I totally agree. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen are some positive things. Sure. So I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, Dr. Davison, who's our principal at Lambert, he actually partners with Dr. Tim Elmore, who um, is one of the leading, I mean, it, he's a social researcher, basically. He works with, um, he works with a variety of mediums, schools, community organizations, business partners. Um, marketing uh, research is a huge part of his work. And really, they try and drill down to what's going on in a generation. And at our school, Dr. Davison's partnered with him so that we are looking at who we're teaching um, and how that impacts how we're teaching. Um, and in the counseling office, one of the things that we're working on is with the who we're dealing with and how we're helping them. So one of the things that we've really noticed is that um, this generation does have a bad rap, but as you and I were talking earlier, I think every 
um, parenting generation was terrified for the future. Sure. Um, it was definitely <laughs> no joke. My house, it was you watch too much television. Now it's they're on too many screens. Um, but what I can tell you is, and this is, again, supported by the work of Dr. Elmore, again, anecdotally and then also from his, his readings and research, um, they're the most giving generation. They are committed to social justice. They want to make the world a better place. Um, one of the examples that um, is in Dr. Elmore's newest book, which is the Gen Z Unfiltered book that just uh, came out recently, um, is that talking about the uh, school shooting in Parkland, Florida. You know, every time there is a national tragedy, there is attention drawn to the issue, but it's usually by adults and politicians and groups of adults who are motivated to make change for our children. And what you saw after Parkland was that the students uh, organized a thousand student march on Washington and that they organized social media to help bring light to changes that they feel are necessary to keep schools safe. And those were not driven because an adult or someone who had a degree was sitting there telling them this is how you can capture an audience. It was literally a grassroots initiative led by students who are still in high school. And that is one of the things I think we see a lot in high school. Um, at Lambert, we're very blessed. We have a, a great program, an iGym program. And our students aren't focusing not just on specifically our school-based issues that they're trying to reform. But that organization just went and uh, presented their most recent um, scientific research. But they've done things. They've gone and worked in Costa Rica to help uh, rural villages really determine whether or not there is a cholera epidemic imminent based off of their uh, clean water sources. And they do all kinds of things on a, on a world-based level. And I think that's really amazing. And it's not just our kids, it's kids in this generation. They're really motivated to make a change in the world. And it's not just about getting to go on the trip because there's a mission trip they can join. They truly are passionate about it to how can I make a difference? What can I organize and generate and create? It's phenomenal to watch. It's exhausting to watch. Yeah, I know. It, it, it seems like when whenever I talk to a student, there's something that breaks their heart that they're yes. super passionate about. And they're able, they have the research and the tools now to do it where we may not have had that the same resources and access to things to make things happen the way this generation does. So true, so true. And they recognize it. You know, they, they aren't coming to school to learn about facts and information that have been published in a book or even something that's available in an old article. They're wanting to know what is current, what's actual, what's right now, what do people know about this, how can I impact that change? And they do it by reaching out themselves. They're not waiting to have some sort of qualification to say, I have taken this certification and now know how to do these things. Mm. They say, I understand this problem because I've read on it and now I want to know what you understand and I want us to have a global understanding. And it's it's phenomenal. But here's the, the thing that's very interesting about them. They aren't doing it by talking to people. And I think that ah. that's one of the things that's really critical. They are doing it through social media. They're doing it through apps and texting. Um, they, they think it's funny or uncomfortable when someone calls them or tries to have a face-to-face -face conversation with them. Um, and so that's one of the things we work with them is not just mobilizing your forces, but you have to also include the adults in the conversation. And that might mean you know, eye contact and standing <laughs> up and presenting something uh, versus sending a text message out to a group. 
So. And that's really a cross-reference on generation norms. For sure. And it is helpful for Gen Z to be able to communicate with these uh, pre- these you know generations that are mm-hmm. older than them. So there can be more interpersonal connection. For sure. Between those, those areas. Now, I'm going to pop over to Juliana. From your perspective, what do you think are the biggest challenges between, like, your generation, your friends, and then, like, your parents and your friends' parents' generation? Well, um, different generations um, will contrast, and it can be hard sometimes, and it can be easy. Um, I've been raised, and most people say I'm very mature for my age. I want to hang out with most of the adults (laughs) um, at parties and things, but they say, go hang out with the kids, don't sit with us, we're boring. But I have been raised to, like, I want to listen to this. And so um, my friends want to go up in their room, lay in their bed, and watch YouTube. Mm -hmm. So YouTube is a big part of your culture now, right? Yeah. YouTube is basically a part of social media for kids. It's where um, people will post different videos and kids, something called clickbait is what they put to get people to watch their videos. Ah. And it's the picture on the screen with the caption underneath it. Kids usually get attracted to it because most um, video makers will put their um, like fun colors and bright colors and ah, different. Ah, to attract you to it. Mm-hmm. Or doing something really stupid or like a backdrop or like they'll do something really crazy. Um, and put a really crazy name to, like, make kids think, oh, wait, whoa, that's kind of cool. Now, YouTube can have its good sides and its bad sides. Mm. Um, some bad things can come from it. Really grown-up things mm, on some there. Inappro- some things that are inappropriate yes. for some, maybe somebody your age. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, there, but the good side about it is that, like, my little sister, she has YouTube kids. So, she gets on it and she learns a lot of things from it like I was sitting in the car one day and she was like sissy did you know that pterodactyls went extinct about um something million years ago and I said how do you know that and she was like oh I watched it on YouTube Ah, and I was like uh oh all right well then yeah keep watching so kids get inform I mean it is pretty common for you guys to get information from technology but sometimes the laundry doesn't get put away because of the clickbait, right? <laughs> that is true. Sometimes it's a hard thing to step away from, right? Or no, just one more show, or can I just watch the rest of this video, Mom, or, right? And I'm like, your laundry hasn't been put away in three days, and I know you have homework. So talk a little bit about that, because that can cause some tension. Yes, so <laughs> um, the thing is, I put my laundry away last night, but... I wanted to say, hey, Mom, can I watch one more video? And she said, um, why don't you push pause and then you can come back to it, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing I've noticed about you with YouTube is you love to watch thing, people make things or do things, right? Yeah. You love, what are some of the things you like to watch? Um, there's one um, channel called 5-Minute Crafts, and they will show you all these like, oh, like if you put, oh, I cracked my phone. Oh, no, what's going to happen? They put toothpaste on it and rub it with an eraser, and 
next thing you know, it's fixed. Wow. And of course, no, no. that does not work. <laughs> I have no research to support that that's... That does not work. It actually ruins your phone even more. Oh, no. But, so that's, like, another thing. Clickbait. That's part of clickbait. To they get you to click on it because they're like, hey, fix your phone without... You know, Without costing money. Costing money. Right. Well, you still have to cost money. Do you feel like that your generation really gets sucked into those advertisements yes. a lot? And yes. you believe the advertisements? That's one thing. It's like, many people are like, oh yeah, I saw that on the internet. How do you know it's true? You can't always trust everything you see on the internet. And that's one, the number one thing I tell the people. Because they will look at Wikipedia and be like, oh, there it is. Write it down. No. You have to cross cross reference yeah. on the website. But do you have like friends that kind of understand that, or do you feel like most people don't understand about like checking the facts and Actually, researching? I don't think so. You know, like, and that's a part of growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Adults kind of view themselves as people to help you navigate and put guardrails in your life yeah. to protect you for safety but also to help guide and mold your mind on the things that will help you in life and not hurt you in life. Yeah. So what do you think are the top challenges that you see between, you know, kids and adults? Um, well, kids and adults are very different. Adults grew up in one generation, and then kids are growing up in Gen Z. So, like, Mom, you are a millennial? No. Right? no, I'm a Gen X. I'm a Zennial, they call me, because I was born at the end of Gen X and the beginning of Millennials. So, like, we always have our fights, but, I mean, we can always get over them by, like, um, talking it out. What and are our fights about? Our fights are about laundry or <laughs> stop watching TV, do your homework, go take a shower. Go take a shower. Mm, go uh, take a shower. <laughs> But that all, like, comes into, like, the YouTube part and TV and yeah. And screens. you can kind of see those things you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to learn how to do laundry. You need to do your homework because you have these goals of being, you know, a public speaker. And, and it's important to do your homework so you can make good grades to pursue that career, right? Yeah. All the things that you were talking about with YouTube and those, those things that attract you to mm-hmm. make you watch more and more and more. What helps you kind of get over those stressors? Well, when I'm stressed, um, I have some anxiety. So when I get stressed, I get, like, pretty stressed. And some ways I cope with it is I do this thing with my fingers. So when I'm at, when I'm at my dad's house, which is not very, like, calming to me, it, I always ha- am anxious there because I have not had a very good past with my dad. So one of the ways that I do is I go pinky, ring, mm-hmm. middle, pointer and I do that in a pattern so I go I do it over and over again Mm -hmm. till I kind of feel relieved and less stressed out and as I said before I love music so that's another way I cope with my stress I will listen to music like Coldplay, Florence and the Machine, um, Dave Matthews Band like all the calming musics um And that's what gets me through these things. So I wrote an essay on um, teenagers and how they feel misunderstood or how they feel stressed or how they get stressed. And 
um, one, the number one thing I said in there was that teenagers don't always know how to cope with their stress. So they will just sit there and be stressed. That doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was, my website was saying that they need to spend time with their family because that can help it relieve stress. Or go out with their friends, relieve stress. Just anything to get them the stressful thing off their head. Right, will, like distracted? Yeah. Okay. If they get distracted, then they'll not be as stressed or anxious or have that feeling inside of them. Because, like, we all have that feeling sometimes. Sure, Of being sure. stressed. Now, in, the, in your essay, which I read, which is great... Um, you mentioned like three things that you felt like really contribute to Gen Z stressors. One was hormones. The second was like school load or like, you know, just the pressures. And then the three was like kind of parenting. So the three main emotions for teens are stress, love, and sadness. Um, the stress hormone is called adrenaline. Um, and it could possibly be from school, the um, load of work on their plates, especially their extracurricular act- activities, if they have them. Um, their love comes from a hormone called mm-hmm. oxytocin. The sadness comes from a hormone called norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. I've had those days where I just need to cry, and I've told mom about it. I like sometimes if I'm if we're just driving in the car, I'm like I need to cry. So, like she understands and she lets me cry. But, like, the thing you need to tell a teenager is that you are heard, you are understood, and you need to remember that, and that you shouldn't be afraid of your emotions. Everyone has them. Mm. Animals have them. Women especially have them. The second reason that teens feel misunderstood or stressed is their parents controlling them too harshly. You talked about that a minute ago when we were getting ready. You were saying that it wasn't necessarily that their parents didn't help set guardrails for them or tell them, like, you have a curfew or you need to do these chores. It wasn't that. No. It was that they took away their experiences. Yes. Right? And you talked about how um, that you learn mostly not from, like, someone telling you about something, but by experiencing that. Right? Yeah. So it says that teenagers whose parents control them have little to none childhood influences, which is a big effect on a developing brain. Um, So parents need to let their teenagers have experiences so that they can learn lessons, and that's how kids learn. Um, Kind of letting them fail sometimes. Like There may be opportunities for you to do something, but... Post nine eleven, mm-hmm. parents became a little more worrisome and anxious, and so that transfers sometimes on their kiddos, right? Mm-hmm. And so that could be a part of them feeling like they need to tell their kids what to do every moment and not let them experience things because of fear, you know, mm-hmm. right? And and we Tim Elmore talks about that too. He really talks about he talks a lot about the whole um, like bubble wrapped children. But the other thing I'll say is as a mom, there's so much mom shaming that happens when your child's an infant, right? Like, did you have the most safe, top of the line, best baby monitor, you know, oxygen monitor when they're infants? I mean, it's crazy how afraid we are for our children and we have the most safety regulations in place to provide for their safety than any generation before us. I remember very vividly 
um, never having to wear a seatbelt as a child and that my child has never not worn a seatbelt in my car. And so even just that practice, which is, you know, astronomical safety support shows that the research shows that's very supportive, but really the things that we take down to glass containers and not plastic and how is my food processed? Like, I think I grew up on chemically laden mayonnaise made by Weight Watchers, which is you know, probably still in someone's bomb shelter somewhere as potential (laughs) something. That and cheese whiz, Cheese whiz, totally. (laughs) I mean, I'm still here so far, but those are the things that, you know, oh, is it not organic? And I don't think they make an organic cheese whiz, but she was talking about too that, you know, you're right, the letting them fail. And Juliana can give you a story because I know that middle school is a big transition for her this year. And as an administrator and as a teacher and as a mom, it was very tempting for me to prescribe exactly how she needed to go about school. Sure. Oh, I bet you had all the tricks in the bag. Which was my entire job. My job is to help students be academically successful. And my child said, nah, mom, I got this. I've always wanted to be in an advanced class because most of my friends were in advanced classes. And mom had shown me that, like, advanced classes are just, they go faster. Like, do you really want to go? I didn't know the study habits. And I didn't know how to study for them. I thought it was like, mm, yeah, I'm I'm studying, like, writing down notes, reading over, like that type of thing. First test, 65. That was my average. And I was pretty upset about that. So I told mom, I need to do something. To what was your first response? Tell me what you told mommy. You said, I want you to what? Help me. No, you said, take me out of this class. I can't do it. I did say that. And what did I say back? (laughs) You said, no. I asked you, have you been doing anything for it? And you said, no. So I said, well, you haven't done anything. So we can't say that you can't do it. You just got to learn how to do it, right? Yeah. And that was scary because that was a lot of you being in control. It's scary for mommy who likes to control things, right? But for you... As you and Chris are project managers. We do like to manage some projects in our house, don't Likes. we? Yeah, we are micromanagers. <laughs> so you see a lot of that parenting in this generation of the micromanaging. And with kids having all this independence as far as learning... It is very, it's it's almost like, you know, those games where you got a rubber band attached to your back and you run really hard, mm-hmm. those inflatables, and then yeah. it snaps you back. Mm-hmm. Does it kind of feel like that? Like, I have all this room, but then there are boundaries that kind of, or like the 65, right? Do you, mm. like, that was kind of a snatch back, like, whoa, well, you know, like, yeah. I, I'm in over my head. And so that kind of game over and over again, it could be confusing mm-hmm. for a student. But now I have an um, 80s. I think 80s, you have an 89. 89. But why do you have an 89? Was because it because your teacher said, oh, I feel sorry for you because you have really pretty tears? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why was it? What did you learn to do? I learned how to study. How did you learn how to study? You didn't just figure it out. I needed help. Who did you go to? My mom. And not just me. And my teacher. Yes. And who, did your mom set up a conference and bring you in and have you sit down and have a conversation? No. No. Who did, what did your mom say to you? She said, you need to do it. I said, go fix it. And so I did. And I um, went during my flex time, 
which was I had an assigned teacher for my flex time at the beginning of the year. And so I went to Miss Bull and I was like, I am not proud of my grade. I don't know how to fix it. Please help. So she, she sat me down at her back table and we talked through some things and she showed me that I didn't need to write down every single word. I needed to write down little snippets that were like, um, let's say... The important stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I wrote down Europe, climate, um, colon, never goes two weeks without rain. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. So I got my first hundred and I started crying because I was really proud of myself and how I um, overcame that struggle and that stress and that um, hard time. So that was a really big experience for me. And the entire class was really proud of me because they had seen that I was crying when I got my bad grade and I felt really bad for myself because I didn't put the effort in. Tim Wormore talks a lot about that, about this experience that Juliana just described about getting kind of in over her head a little bit, not having the tools Mm -hmm. to do that, and then being able to overcome it and reaching out for those sources of strength. True. And one of the things he's really good about is that he talks about the reality is, is that our kids can be informed by us. We can definitely still continue to lead them, but it's empowering them to make choices. And so for us in our household, the number one, well, if to play it this way, if it had been my household and I had brought home that grade when I was her age, it would have been no television, no devices, no whatever. Well, you really, it is hard for them to do homework without having access to a laptop. But there has to be a trust component and a real conversation about it. And so for her, I said, what do you need from me to be successful? And if there was something I needed to provide for her, she said, I need a space to study. Okay, so we set up a space that night. She said, I need new folders to organize myself. My folders aren't helping me. Okay, here we go. I need um, a calendar so that I can make big um, timeline decisions. Fantastic, all done. And then her space became her space. I, I don't go and sit with her. I check in, we do a check in once a week. Um, and we sit down, we go through It's Learning together and we talk about what's coming up in the week and we look at her grades that are posted and we talk about her progress and her goals for that. But, you know, I realized very early on she is not me. I did not create the same person as I was and she is surely growing up in a different place than I am. And so I have to give her some some leeway to explore that world, but I have to set those parameters, those guidelines and guardrails. And it's hard as a parent who... I got to where I am by this very specific structure, and I want her to have those same tools, but her, she's navigating something very differently. So giving her some space to, to not fail in a way where she's in danger, but to fail in a way where she's in a critical mass. She says, okay, this is where I am. Now I need this and has to be able to reflect and articulate that. That's really important, I think, for kids. And that's, again, supported by what Tim Elmore says about how we need to let them fail with safety, but don't swoop in and fix it. And the other part of that is, is that when she was failing, I it is very easy for me to pick up the phone and call over here. I know these people, these are my people. But it also was more important that she be able to access the network that she has. And that's something I think that we struggle with as parents is because our kids can articulate it. They, they really can. And yes, Juliana is very mature, but I coached her on what to say before she got here. And then I followed up with her. But she was the one who sat down and said, 
what am I not doing right? How can you help me improve? And took that ownership. Um, I could have come over here and set up a conference. I, the, the team is amazing. The teachers are wonderful. The admin are great. I could have said, hey, let's sit down. Help me help my kid. But she, but I, I gave her time to try it on her own first, knowing that those resources were in my back pocket if I needed them. And ultimately, what she's been able to show herself is not that I'm, I'm able to make a grade, but I'm able to access a network of supports, which is really that problem solving that they're going to need in the future more so than any content that we're cultivating in our students these days. And I know when you talked to um, the counselors mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, all those school counselors in our county, you were talking about tools and things like this sure. to give kids almost like you're, you're giving them coping skills to cope with the emotion, not taking it away, but then also helping them find those resources. Does Tim Elmore talk about that, or do you see ways that students here in Forsyth can access those resources, like in the community, at the school level? Sure, I think that's exactly what this book is really about. You know, um, this Generation Z Unfiltered book is really based on the fact that this the anxiety of this generation is astronomical. I don't think you, anxiety is a word they use just as, as much as we've moved social emotional learning into their vocabulary, as much as we've, we've moved you know suicide and depression and warning signs and bullying into their vocabulary. But when you really think about it, if we're pushing all the suicide, mental health, depression, anxiety, where are we pushing joy? Yeah. Where are we pushing creativity or fun? We're not talking about those things and those are really the tools they need in order to combat those things. They need to know that they can self-advocate that that courage to have a courageous conversation and the compassion for others, which her friends showed in her class when she wasn't being successful. And that's what the generation has, my friends. They are full of that. Um, But as adults, it's really hard because we have to pull back. We have to take a moment and say, am I fixing it or am I assisting? And I think it's it's really living that assistantship. So that he takes the anxiety of this generation, he breaks it down to nine challenges they face. And that is the crux of the book. And I will say that um, the book is easy to read. It is inspiring. It is engaging. It is helpful. It is something you should read with a partner so you can talk it out, find a group of people. But the book is great. Um, and, and really what he's talking about is the ability for this generation to reach unprecedented levels of success in a world that they are building as they go. And the, the, that is an amazing life skill to be able to work on the fly, to adjust, to create, to generate new ideas. And um, they're just doing it in a, a way that looks very different than anybody else in the past and they're doing it super fast. And so really it's not that we need to corral them or slow them down or put you know pressure on them into into any which way to mold them is to give them those wings and the space and the opportunity to take flight on those ideas with resources and responsibility and faith in them and that's really what it is because uh, he talks about if you fear them or you um, have faith in them either way they already know that they already know it by how you treat them and parents, you know, we, we stopped having faith in our kids because we were told we had to protect them and lock them down and, and basically militarize their days into at, you know, five past, this is where you'll be, this is what's going to happen, so that we've given them so much structure they don't know how to create. 
Um, and and he, he does a great job on it. He's actually going to be at Lambert in January uh, for anybody who wants to come out. Totally open to anyone. Um, it's 6.30 on Monday the 27th in the auditorium. Um, the book will be there. There will be a group of people who I know are really passionate about it, and we would love for, for anyone who's interested to come out. Sure. Okay, so January 27th mm-hmm. at 6.30 mm-hmm. at Lambert High School. In the auditorium. In the auditorium, and anyone in the community is welcome to come. Those totally. people that may have questions or may may kind of feel like maybe our parents felt this generation is going down the tube. Yes. <laughs> Where's the good generations? And we kind of feel that too. And so this this book and this um concept kind of helps restore our faith. Oh truly. And this generation helps share a little bit more freedom, mm-hmm. but also like Juliana was talking about needing some help, maybe needing some support. Maybe there are some things on the internet that they should be kind of protected from and kind of giving them the tools to choose like, wait a second, this is not appropriate and shutting it down. Yes. Um, and that is hard. It's it's all a part of the growing process. And I think parents don't know where to start. Yes. I think that's really the key is that you don't know where to start. Do I put an app on their phone and lock it down? Do I, you know, do you know, partner interviews with everybody who comes into my door in terms of a family member, a friend, a neighbor? Do I need to go through, do we need to fingerprint everyone? What do we need to do to protect our children? And part of it is we need to empower them with the tools to make good decisions. And that is the faith we need to have in them because regardless of how you feel about them, they're here and they need us not to let them figure it out, but we need to be here to help you know, lead them to lead themselves. That's really, I think, what his, his message is. And, and again, it does restore your soul a little bit to read some of the stories about the experiences that um, he's been able to document in terms of what this generation is doing already. But I, I work in a school every day, and I am always inspired by my kids. Um, they're, they're fearless. They will jump into anything, but, but they, they're fearless within their, their understanding of what is a safe element because we, we bubble wrap them so tight, you know, they said their pieces that they've got. And it's Um, causing them to feel unsure and second guessing. And that to me is something that I see a lot. That's that anxiety right there. Yep. If I'm uncertain because I don't know what to do in this free time that I'm anxious. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, you know, for, for me, Free time causes me anxiety too because I know there's a to-do list, right? But they don't even know what's on the to-do list, what they should be doing when the time is free because, or what they might want to do, what is a healthier, safe choice. Um, and those are some things that I think we can work on just really articulating with them and, and listening. Awesome. Well, thank you both for being here today. This is an issue that a lot of us in the community have raising children and figuring out how and what to do and giving ourselves some gratitude, like when we do things right, but also some self-compassion when maybe we don't make the best decisions and it's okay. But just to move forward from that and share, share with each other and join in community because that can also help us to understand. For sure. We'd like to say thanks for our collaborative agencies and to United Way of Forsyth County for helping sponsor the podcast. Visit us at www.forsyth.k12.ga.us slash student support. The views in this forum are from the individuals of the panel and are used for community discussion purposes. To view Forsyth County Schools' disclaimer, go to www.forsyth.k12.ga.us slash disclaimer.